This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Good to see you. The, the Lord bless you. Listen, if you're here for the baptism class, I need you to get up right now and get out. No, I'm just kidding. Just back there in the back, they're waiting for you. And so I know there's at least 20 of you here. So be sure and make your way back that way and they'll get you all set up and get your water baptized today after the service. With the rest of you, I'm glad you're here. If you're watching by in, on, online, we're glad you're here. If you need a Bible, once you get your hand up really high and our ushers to get you the Bible, I, I really would advise you to hear get in the Word today. I believe God's going to speak to your heart, and so get your hand up real high. Once you get a Bible, go with me to the book of Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7, as you're turning there, man, we are on the launch pad for the men of iron. We're down to about 10 days. If you hadn't signed up, men, you don't want to miss that. It's going to be exceptional, just the kingdom of God, so I invite all of you to that. Okay, as you're turning to Acts 7, you saw we're on our series here on the called. I, I believe today the Lord's going to help us in the area of a calling for each one of us. And so the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. But oftentimes, it seems like I just can't get past my past. And we all have areas in our life where we have shame, sometimes even the, the tomb of shame. Anybody in here wish you could go back and repeat some things in your life? Ooh, me too. And so there are things in our life from our past that try to hijack our future. Maybe a mindset, maybe addictions. But remember this, that that God is a God of a second chance. God is a God who still takes messes and makes miracles So we're going to show you some things here biblically today. I believe it's going to really help you, okay? Acts 7 is where we're going, and so to set the table a little bit, we're going to talk about a guy just real briefly here named Stephen. Stephen was an apostle, but he was a man of God, and Stephen liked to tell people the truth. You know what? I found out that only the truth sets people free. And so we must preach the Word of God. We must stay with the Word of God. And the word of God is not outdated. The word of God is eternal. So we begin in Acts 7, verse 51. And Stephen is talking to the religious people. And he says, you stiff-necked or stubborn and uncircumcised in heart and ears. Now, what he's saying here basically is you're deaf to the truth. And you don't want to be deaf to the truth, okay? Okay. You don't want to be stubborn with the things of the word of God. And so he's, he's revealing right here, this is possible. He goes on to say, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Now, it's possible to resist the Holy Spirit. He just warned of that. I advise you don't do that because the consequences of resisting the Holy Spirit are disastrous. And so he's warning them right here. Verse 52. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who have foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers. Now he doesn't, he doesn't back off. I mean, he continually tells them the truth. And you're going to find out real quick, they don't like it. Verse 53. 
verse 54, no, 53. Who've received the law by the directions of angels and they've not kept it. You haven't obeyed the word of God. And when they heard these things, they, they were cut to heart, meaning they were furious. They went into a violent rage and they gnashed at him with their teeth. So what you begin to see take place here is these religious became infuriated by the accusations that were being made about them. Now the truth, the word of God will locate every one of us. Verse 55. But Stephen being full of the Holy Spirit, and it's interesting to me the Bible highlights this here. If being filled with the Holy Spirit wasn't a big deal, then why did the Bible uh, recognize it here that way? And so he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And it goes on to say, and he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. So now what begins to take place here is the Lord is giving Stephen a vision into heaven. And I want you to note something there that the scripture says that Jesus is standing at the right hand of the Father. But if you were to study the scripture according to Hebrews 10, it says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. But something's taking place right here that causes the Lord Jesus to stand up. Verse 56. And he said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Now, again, the Bible's very clear that this time the Lord Jesus is standing at the right hand of the Father. I believe what's happening is because of the boldness of this guy named Stephen, he is getting a standing ovation from the Lord Jesus. And I don't know about you, that, that, that moves my heart to realize Jesus notices what's going on on this earth. He notices when someone stands up for the things of the kingdom of God. Verse 57. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and they ran at him with one accord. That the animosity they had because of the truth. Verse 58. And they cast Stephen out of the city, and they stoned him. Now this doesn't have a Hollywood ending, okay? They stoned him. And let me highlight something off of that. Many people would say, well, why did the Lord allow this? Why did the Lord stand back and, and, and watch this take place? Do you know God can be glorified by the animosity and the persecution you're going through? God can be glorified through that. And I know when I say things like that, many people say, I, I really don't want to experience that. And so they take him out and they stone him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. So Stephen's graduation from earth to heaven was initiated by this guy named Saul. Now the author of of the book of Acts is Luke. And what Luke is doing, he's introducing us to this guy named Saul who becomes one of the most Known figures, not only in the New Testament, but also in the whole book of Acts. So you're going to see some things with this guy named Saul all morning long. Verse number 59. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God. And he said, Lord Jesus, 
receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He dies. He's dead. Now, when I read this stuff about Stephen here, his response was impossible without the Holy Spirit. Impossible. So we end chapter 7 and we jump right into chapter 8. Now Saul was consenting to his death. Saul endorsed or agreed with the death of this guy named, named Stephen. He was applauding it. He was happy with it. And at that time, great persecution arose against the church. Now, when you study the history here, you find out there's persecution against the church. And we live in a time where there's going to be persecution against the church. This is like a warning to us. And it goes on to say, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and they made great lamentation over him. Verse three, as for Saul, now here we're still talking about it. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church and he entered every house, dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. So when you look at this guy named Saul, his agenda was to stamp out Christianity and Christians. He opposed the church in incredible ways. So if we had to define Saul's life at this point, we would all probably agree that for this guy named Saul to ever become a Christian would seem that's impossible. That's impossible that someone that would hate humanity is that he could ever become a Christian. And so we keep going on about this guy named Saul and we jump to chapter nine, verse one. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord, he went to the high priest. So he's still on a tear. He's still wanting to kill Christians. He, he has a, a hate against the church, but he earnestly feels like what he's doing is right. He thinks this is a false religion. Verse 2. And so he asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so if they found anyone who were of the way, now that statement of the way is it's in reference to a Christian or Christianity. If you're a note taker in John 14 verse 6 it says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life, the only way to the Father is through the Son. So we highlight the way here and so it literally says he's going after people of the way, whether men or women, he might have them bring them bound to Jerusalem. So he's going after anybody that identifies with the way. Verse 3, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. So he's on his way to Damascus, and all of a sudden, this hard-hearted Jewish man, he has an encounter of a God God. You know, I believe God still does these things. Verse 4. Then he fell to the ground. He dropped to his knees and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? 
So to to persecute the church or to persecute a Christian, you're persecuting Jesus. And what Saul was doing got the attention of the Lord Jesus. Verse five, and Saul said, who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? And Jesus responded and said, I am Jesus. Now, right here, the Lord Jesus identifies himself as the Lord. I am Jesus. Now, in Matthew 16, the Lord Jesus said this, who do you say I am? See, it's not the million-dollar question. It's the eternal question. Who do you say Jesus is? And notice when Jesus said, this is all Matthew 16, verses 15 through about 18. When Jesus says, who do you say I am? He didn't say, who who does your mama say I am? Who does your grandmother say? Who does your dad say? No, no, he specifically asked me and you this question. Who do you say I am? And so Jesus said, I I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So they would have a stick that was pointed and they would poke their oxen when they were plowing a field. Most believe this statement right here is the Lord Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit began to prick the heart of Saul. See, that's what the Lord begins to do. He begins, to, he begins to prick our conscience. He begins to deal with our hearts. And I remember when the Lord began to do that within my own life. And I had to come to this conclusion, there's gotta be more to life than how I'm living. And maybe that's a question you gotta ask her. Is there more to life than how I'm living? In my life there was, and I believe this is what's happening with Saul. So the Lord goes on to say in verse six, so then trembling and astonished, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And it's interesting that Saul, he calls Jesus Lord. He's having a close encounter of a God kind. And he said, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, rise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless hearing a voice but seeing no one. Same chapter, verse 10. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he responded, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise, go to the street, call straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he's praying. Uh Uh-oh. We see a huge change in this guy's heart. This guy, just a couple days before, he's killing people. He's consenting to their death, and all of a sudden, he's praying. Verse 12. And a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. And so the Lord is giving this dream to Ananias And the Lord says to him, now this guy named Ananias is going to go and lay hands on him that he'll be healed. And Ananias is thinking, wait a minute. I'm Ananias. Almost like, Lord, are are you crazy? 
And listen to what Ananias says about that. Then the Lord, Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard many things about this man, how much harm he does to your saints in Jerusalem. So he's reluctant. He's not real thrilled about the opportunity the Lord's placing before him. And in verse 14, he says, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. So Ananias, to a degree, is saying, Lord, is this the same Saul of Tarsus that we're both thinking of? Because he's crazy. He's one of those people that you know as well. It would be impossible for him to become a Christian. Now let me ask you a question right now. Would that define you? Would people look and say, it would be impossible for him to ever become a Christian. And many of you are sitting here that have given your heart to Jesus way, way back. That would probably have been said about, it would be impossible for Sammy Sosa to be a Christian. But what I find out, it, it only takes one encounter of a God kind to change a heart. Just one. You know what I believe was really taking place here? I believe there were people praying for Saul. Saying, Lord, we pray that he has an encounter. Let me say this to you. Don't quit praying for people, okay? Pray that they have an encounter of a God kind, just like he did. Verse number 15. But the Lord said to him, go. For he is a chosen vessel of mine. He is a tool of mine. He is an instrument of mine. Now, just what I read is Paul's call, or Saul at the time. It reveals his call. He is a chosen vessel of mine for what? Keep reading. To bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Now, I'm not downplaying salvation. That, 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 that is a great thing to happen to every one of us here. But I cannot overlook the words here that his divine election was for service, was for ministry. And guess what? This morning, if you're born again, you are a chosen vessel. You're just not a vessel. You're a chosen vessel to represent the kingdom of God right here on earth. And many times when that begins to happen, we can become just like Saul and say, wait a minute, Lord, wait a minute. You know my past. You know everything I've done. Do you not think that he didn't know Saul's past? He was very aware, but yet listen, when Saul gave his heart to Jesus, this call became on Saul, just like me and you. Now look at verse 16. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. See, when we hear the word suffer and persecution, I'm out. I'm done. I'm not doing that. See, over and over you begin to see with the, the, the guy Stephen. And now you see with Saul. When you live for the kingdom of God, you, you're going to be persecuted. 
And so Saul's life in this calling was not a picnic, but it was for purpose. It wasn't for fame and fortune, it was for purpose. Now this guy named Saul, who we've read all this stuff about him, when we realize this dude's got a past, he becomes the apostle Paul. And he writes the majority of the New Testament. So when we look at this right now, our God is a God who still takes messes and makes miracles. I, I don't care what you've done. And this is one of the reasons that I read this, that every one of us in here, you are a called chosen vessel for the kingdom of God. In other words, God has plans for your life. But oh, I got a lot of hurts. I got a lot of pains. I got a lot of shame. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. And let me just tell you that, that, that Saul's life was never the same. God will use your past. God will use your story. Now, if you were here on Easter Sunday, I, I read some of this last week, and I'm going to read it again because I want you to see some of the wordings here. I believe it will touch your heart. 1 Timothy 1, verse 12. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who enabled me. Better stated, he made me able. See, God doesn't expect you to do that on your own. There's a thing called his grace and his mercy, and you'll see this come into play here. God is the one who gives us the abilities. He goes on to say, because he counted me faithful, he put me into the ministry. And so he appointed him to serve. And Paul knew that God continually empowers and God continually authorizes, but many times we become guilt-ridden. And we have this thought, God could never use me. God would never choose me. But God, you saw right here. Verse 13, although I was formerly, now I want to highlight this right here. Saul said, although I was formerly, and the next word he says, I was a blasphemer. I spoke against Jesus. I spoke against the word of God. Then I was formerly a person that persecuted others. And then I was formerly an insolent man, which means not only was he angry, but he was a scorner. I was formerly. Now, let's just use that statement for a second here about you. I was formerly. Now you fill in the blank. Does anybody got some things that you were formerly? I do. I got a list. I was formerly this. And, and so, so what Paul is doing, he's showing us that the things I did formerly in my past, they don't disqualify me. They don't disqualify you. You know, about two weeks ago, I got a phone call one morning. And I, I didn't receive Jesus as Lord of my life until I was almost 20. And so all my teenage years, I lettered in sin. Anybody in here lettered in sin? I lettered in sin. I got a pretty good track record. And so anybody that grew up with me and went through high school with me, they knew. He was formerly. But this guy calls me and he said, hey, 
you remember so-and-so in our class? And I said, I do. And he goes, were you aware that he died six, six months ago? And I said, I wasn't aware. And it broke my heart. I mean, it, it stung my heart. And he said, in June, they're going to try to do a memorial service for him. And he began to talk a little bit and explain what was going on. And I finally said, Mike, are, are you wanting to know if I would do a memorial service for him? And he said, yeah. And I became so honored. I mean, it, it moved me because I was formally. I, I used to be known as this, but because I had an extreme makeover with God, I now get to do this. And so I said, I'm in. Now, as a minister, we bury him and we marry him. Those are job securities. I'm just kidding, okay? <laughs> I don't know that you've ever been thrilled about a funeral. I, I, I get real excited about funerals. Number one, when I know people have gone to heaven... I'm like, woohoo, we're going to celebrate. But I'm real excited about this one. You know why I'm real excited? Because I'm going to get an old, a bunch of old classmates, and they're going to say, I knew you when we were this way. What happened to you? And many times when I get around them, they say, it shocks me what you do for a living. And I said, it really shocks me too. But they don't know I'm on a mission for God because I'm not so much concerned about where they're at right now. I'm more concerned about their eternal destiny. So I'm, I'm on a mission, man. I'm, I'm already praying. I'm already believing God. And so when I read this, again with you and me, we all have former things. We have former hurts. We have former pains. We have former shames. And so this is what he was talking about. But he said in verse 14, and the grace of our Lord, whoo, amazing grace. You know what grace means? You don't get, you don't get what you deserve. That mercy and grace border that line right there. And he said, the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundantly with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. The grace of God superabounded toward Paul. So if the grace of God superabounded toward him, it'll superabound toward you and me. Grace me today, Father God. I welcome your grace. Then he says in verse 15, this is a faithful statement and worthy of all. The word of God is true and acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. What was Jesus' assignment? He didn't say he came for the righteous. It said he came into the world to save sinners. So when Jesus died upon that cross, he took the sin of all mankind. Every one of us in here. And he said, Jesus came to save the world or save sinners. Now listen to what he says. Of whom I am chief. In other words, I'm the worst sinner there's ever been. This was the apostle Paul. 
he realizes what God had done in his life right here. And he begins to really tell us that God will give you the courage and the grace to face the souls of your past, the scars of your past, the tombs of shame, even though I was formerly this or this and this. And so when we become insecure, he makes us secure. When we feel inadequate, he makes us adequate. When we feel insufficient, he makes us sufficient. And he just starts working in us. And so I begin to look at all this and I thought, man, the words of shame run deep within us. And many times shame yells at you and screams at you and says, you're so unworthy. You're so unworthy. And when I begin to think about that, I'm sure the Apostle Paul faced those same thoughts. So how did the Apostle Paul get past that? How did the Apostle Paul not opt out of his call and say, I can't do that? One last passage to go with. Go with me to Philippians 3. Philippians chapter 3. Now, some of you, you really got to get this, okay? I believe this will set you free this morning. It's something that I've lived my life off of where I realize I've got a past. Philippians 3, verse 12. This is the author, Paul. He says, not that I've already attained, I'm already perfected. In other words, I haven't acquired the fullest I'm pursuing or I haven't even arrived at full maturity. I'm a work in progress. But he says, but I press on. I, I press on. Now think about that word. I, I press on. And sometimes it's intense. I, I got to keep going. And when he said, I press on, you know what that means? He didn't throw up the, the white flag of surrender. He didn't say, I give up. He said, I, I press on. Just day by day by day to keep going when I don't want to go it sometimes. And he goes on to say at the end of verse 12, I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. So you know what he's saying here? I, I want to know Christ in, in, in a deeper manner. I want to know him closer. I want to grow in him. I want to fulfill my kingdom purpose. I'm not satisfied. You know, one of my prayers for my own life is this. Draw me a little closer. Pull me a little deeper. I want to stay a little longer today. What a prayer when you begin to pray that. Verse 13. Brethren, fellow believers, I do not count myself to have apprehended or laid hold of it. But one thing I do, if you got a marker, get ready to mark this. But one thing I do, and it's almost like this is the prescription he's telling me and you. But one thing I do, just one thing, I forget those things which are behind. I forget those things are behind. What aspects of my yesterday do I need to put behind? The good, the bad, the ugly. My, my, my failures, my hurts. 
And so what he's saying here, he's not allowing his past to be the controlling factor of his future. He says, one thing I do, I forget my past. Now that doesn't mean he has spiritual amnesia, okay? He's aware of his past, but look what he goes on to say. I forget my past, and I reach forward to those things which are ahead. You know what he's telling me and you? Don't spend too much time in the rear view mirror of your life. And let me give you a little analogy here that the Lord showed me. When you drive your car, you don't drive your car through the rear view, rear view mirror. Or at least I hope you don't. If you do, we need it. We need to check you a little bit, okay? Think about this. The rear view mirror of our cars is what you say, about that big? But in front of me, directly in front of me, is this massive windshield. And he's saying, be forward focused, not reverse focused. Look to the things in, in front of you. Look, look to keep your eyes on them. Quit being a, a person that continually looks in the rear view mirror of your life. And so this is what he's talking about because he knows just like us. We live in this daily tension of our sin and our shame, but God does an extreme makeover in every one of us. But what happens with this, that if I look in the rear view mirror of my life day by day, it's like I get up today and I look in the rear view mirror of my past. I get up tomorrow and I put on the shirt of guilt. I get up the next day and I put on my shame shoes. I get up the next day and I put on my unforgiveness hat. And it becomes a recurring cycle day by day. And he's saying, you got to get off your past. Your past hurts, your past pains, your past shame. And then he says in verse 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's my goal. I, I, I want to serve God. His, his primary focus was the Lord Jesus. Something happens when I begin to live that way. See, I'd be, I'd be willing to bet Every one of us in here have some forms of shame. Guilt. Every one of us have pages in the book and the testimony of our life. We would rather pull those pages out. Now think about this. This was the guy who said, I'm the chief sinner. But he became, in my opinion... The greatest man of God on this earth besides the Lord Jesus. And how did he do it? Well, let's review. Just one day he had an encounter with God. And he gave his heart to Jesus. Would you stand up here with me? See, maybe you're here today. You're here on this Sunday morning and you're one of those that people would say it'd be impossible for him to give his heart to Jesus. 
But I go back and look at this guy named Saul. And maybe you're very tired of the way life's been and you look and you think, man, there's gotta be more to life than how I'm living. I go out and party, spend all my money. I hug the toilet all night. Oh, happy day. Aren't we having fun? Sounds like you've been there, Pastor. I have. Drowned my sorrows for many years of my life. And that's what happened to me. I realized everything I'm doing still leaves me hollow, still leaves me empty. Just want you to bow your head right there where you're at. God doesn't do things coincidentally. He does things on purpose. And you're here today by kingdom purpose. Maybe you hadn't killed anyone like Saul. Man, your, your chapters of shame and pain are really filling up. I just want to ask you right now, who do you say Jesus is? I do this this morning because I'm, I'm really concerned about your eternal, your internal state. If you've never given Jesus your heart or if you've run from Jesus and you're here right now, just like Saul, he gave his heart to Jesus. Is that you today? Do you need to, do you need to step out your seat right now and walk down here? It's good if you do. We're going to celebrate you, I promise. We had a great one in the first service. If that's you, I welcome you right now. Not out of guilt, not out of shame. Woohoo, I see you. We applaud you. Thank you. Jesus loves you. I can tell you that. Anybody else? God loves you. We're not here to beat you up. We're here to encourage you. I don't want to be an auctioneer going once, going twice, three. So, anybody else? You know what the Bible says that when one gives their heart to Jesus right here on earth, just one, the angels go crazy, they rejoice. I rejoice. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna lead us through a prayer here. I'm gonna lead you through a prayer. You say this from your heart, okay? I'm gonna jump in there with you. Come on, let's raise our hands, Evan. You feel comfortable raising your hands, Evan? It's just acknowledging him as the king. Say this, say, dear heavenly father, I come to you as a sinner. I've made a mess of me. And I ask you today that all my sin would go on the cross that the Lord Jesus took. I ask you to forgive me. And Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be Lord of my life. 
grace and mercy me as a chosen vessel. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's clap to the Lord. Great day. But I don't believe God's done. See, sometimes in our life we get hung up on our past. And remember the chief sinner, he said, one thing I do, I forget my past. Maybe that's you today. You're in a dead end of life right now. Your, your assignment has been hijacked because you can't get past your past. Shame, failure. Listen guys, there were days in my life, I, I, I would literally freak out being behind this pulpit because I was so tormented by my past that I thought, oh my gosh, if they ever find out the thing I did, They'll fire me. I'm serious, it was so real to me. And then I began to realize, that's not who I was. I'm a new creation. Old things have passed, all things have become new in Christ. And I believe with all my heart today that the Lord's wanting to do that within some of you today. And so as our team gets ready to sing here, if you've been hung up on your past, if you just can't get past your past, I welcome you to come down here. I welcome you to come down here and get touched by the things of God and let God just minister to your heart today. That your past is part of your testimony, is part of your story. And so he wants to make you forward focused instead of rear view mirrored focused. And so as our team sings, I, I welcome you today. And maybe, maybe you've been gripped, like I said, of shame of, oh my gosh, what would people think? God's going to set you free today if you'll respond to him. Go ahead, God. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.